Hi, this is Larry Hama, and you're listening to Star Joe's Podcast. From days of long ago, from uncharted regions of the universe, comes a legend. Star Joe's Podcast, episode 264, Silence! I'm your host, Ryan. And I'm John. I'm Grub. And I'm Anthony. And welcome back, everyone. Yeah, technically, this is a, uh, a Kessel Run G.I. Joe episode with what we're covering, but I just couldn't couldn't help but do do that for the intro. So, um, welcome back, John. Uh, uh, it's been a little while, buddy. How you doing? As I pointed out before we started recording, my last official episode was in July of 2020. I was on in December of 20 when you had Kevin Longman on for the first time for maybe 15 minutes. And I need to point out, Ryan, that I did more British G.I. Joe podcasts last year than Star Joe's. <laughs> we have to change that. So we, we, we do need to change that. But I will say those guys are awesome. Oh, Big yeah. ups to, to Mark and that crew at, at Talking Joe. It's not just UK based guys. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was super weird to be doing that and not be here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we're recording a little earlier than we normally do. And we'll probably, uh, continue doing that. Um, uh, just because a lot of people have to get up early that usually can join us on the show. So I, I, I want to be respectful of that. And I, I do miss, like, while I don't mind doing the random solo episodes when I just kind of like, Hey, I got nothing else to do tonight. I'm just going to record an episode. Um, I miss talking to you guys. Like I, this is this is when the shows are the most fun is when we get as many people as possible on here. So um, so what have you been up to? Uh, I know we're going to we'll touch base with everybody, of course. But uh, I mean, since you've been gone the longest, what you've been up to? How are things going? Ryan, it's been quite a whirlwind since December of 20. Let's see. <laughs> uh, I became the covid czar of Virginia for my my employer. That has been a tremendous amount of fun, but I'm done with covid. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Right. The HR Social Hour Half Hour podcast has been going strong. We just celebrated our four-year anniversary. 
Congratulations. Uh, this past weekend. Thank you. Yes. Hard to believe episode zero launched in, this, in February of 2018. Uh, have now put out 275 total episodes, downloads in 126 countries. And yes, as the sellout uh, picked up my 18th sponsor for that show uh, this month. So Chuck, suck it. And uh, <laughs> yeah. And then uh, in the midst of the pandemic, I started collecting toys again. Yeah. And many of you sons of bitches that are listening uh, probably have stuff that I have found you because I picked up the moniker of the Turtle King. I wear it proudly. I have had more toys come through this house than most drug dealers probably have going through uh, their hands. Uh, and I think everyone on this episode is, has been well, benefited from I that. Have, so. I have not gotten anything for Anthony. And I'm so glad Anthony's a real uh, person, as I told you guys earlier. I, yes. Anthony and I have been DMing on on Facebook for well over a year and have never spoken. So Anthony, it's great to finally connect in this way, but yeah. Um, let's see. I know more about Ninja Turtles and masters of the universe than I ever would have imagined. Um, <laughs> I know more about Lord of the Rings now for you, Ryan. Yeah. So I've yeah. started finding those things. Yeah, guys. Uh, I, uh, for those of you that, uh, think I've just some magic red carpet rolls out. I have a lot of fun doing it. I bust my ass though. I'm out every damn day. Yeah, you do. And, yeah. uh, I have been very fortunate to not only help everybody here, uh, there are a lot of people listening to the show and a lot of people that are just connected that, that I met through the Facebook group and everywhere else. Yeah, man, uh, not just for them, but for me, I have found some crazy shit in the last. You have. You have. Years. Yeah. Hand, yeah we, hands we down. Have text messages to prove it. Uh, yes. uh, yeah. <laughs> your, your Highness, if I may interject for a minute. <laughs> How is Virginia? a hotbed for toys because you're not the only person from Virginia that posts stuff that makes me blow my mind. I have a buddy that's in the Virginia beach area that just showed me, he grabbed the McFarlane drifter cafe uh, racer bike. And like, I think it's still pre-order everywhere. Like what, what, what's the reason for Virginia getting everything before anyone else for months? Anthony, that is a great question. I have no idea. I can only speak to what I know here in Richmond, and that is I've got within a 45-minute drive of my house, I think I have 10 Targets and 8 Walmarts. And so I can – and with my job, my my office, which I started going back to the office this year uh, a few days a week, on that side of town, I hit that when I'm over there. And so I kind of flip-flop back and forth between over by my house. Like this morning I went out. Three WalMarts and three Targets within a twenty minutes of the house, nice. and then go to the other side of town, and I'll hit that after work and kind of hit that space. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it is kind of crazy what I find here, and and particularly here in Richmond. Are, the are there stuff. a lot of are there a lot of flippers or like scalpers down there that grab stuff? Because it, I live in the Philadelphia area, it, and yeah. I could throw a rock and hit just as many, if not more. Yeah. Targets and Walmart, but everyone's buying stuff, and you just turn around and see it is up for so, sale right away. Yeah. So I don't look at a lot of secondhand stuff, so I don't know. I will tell you, I have met some incredibly cool guys doing this. Uh, you know, I've always been a fan of Twitter. For those of you who aren't aware, there's the whole hashtag collectors helping collectors. And in the last couple of years in particular, I've met two or three just stand-up dudes that cool. are collectors too, and we help each other out. One guy I literally run into like three times a week, and you know he he actually I I found some Hot Wheels that he was looking for, and or he finds something for me, or hey I just saw this, or hey have you been over to this store today? 
there, I, I think there are a couple, he mentioned there are a couple people that are out buying stuff. I try to beat them to the punch though, man. If I'm finding stuff and I know people want it, I'm going to pick it up. I'm not going to, yeah. I, I am a big fan of, of the whole idea of leave it for the next guy. But if I, if somebody wants it, I, I have no problem picking them up, picking them up yeah. and taking them. And yeah. Yeah. So like I said, it's kind of gone through phases, did a lot of wrestling figures, a lot of the classified series I picked and picked and choose there. Star Wars, Hot Wheels, kind of gotten away from that. Uh, and now kind of uh, sadly, or I don't know if it's sadly because I'm really digging it, but I've really gotten into wrestling cards thanks to Travis. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of my new thing. And yeah, man, like I said, it's been a lot of fun. A lot of a lot of work, I, people. It is not just it just doesn't magically happen. You have to be out there. I don't use BrickSeek. I don't use any of the apps. I just go. Just use your eyes and I just your go. legs. <laughs> and, I, and if you start hitting them often, you start to figure out patterns of when they put stuff out. Sure. In a lot of places. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it, it's been a lot of fun. And again, you know, I got a new moniker. I have a I have a T-shirt with that uh, logo now, thanks to our pal Tim Shen for helping me out there. That's and, awesome. uh, yeah, I'm going to probably do more cause I just have fun doing them. And I, I've loved sending out packages. I, you know, Ryan can attest to the fact that I love putting crazy return addresses on them Yes, <laughs> uh, because I always want to keep people guessing. Uh, yeah. 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 And it's been to Anthony's point too. It's been amazing. Cause there'll be certain, sometimes you'll send a picture or something. I'm like, I didn't even know that was out. Like the, uh, the mini epics that you have found for the Lord of the Rings stuff, I was missing just like a couple of them, like two or three of them. And you found them. I'm like, I didn't even know they had those in stores. And what's weird is it's one, that, that particular line, it's one Walmart in town, the only one that has them. That's weird. It is very what, weird. What, what line is that? Uh, they're called mini epics. They're done by, uh, Weddleworks or what? Yeah. Weta. Uh, who did the, did work on Lord of the Rings and stuff like that. So they're just these cartoony-looking figures. Uh, they're they're not action figures. They're like little plastic statues. Um, but I have almost all of the characters that I wanted, and John actually found the other ones that I was missing. So, um, yeah, and they they've done other ones too. They've done Ghostbusters. They've done uh, uh, Dark Crystal. They've done uh, Labyrinth figures and stuff like that too. I mean, not figures, but like I said, the plastic statues and stuff like that. They're all really cool. Um, I eventually would like to get the Dark Crystal and the Labyrinth ones because there really isn't anything out there <laughs> with those on them. So uh, just to have some type of representation of both of those movies. So, um, yeah, they're very cool. Uh, like, I know John found the Slimer for Ghostbusters. And he's like, hey, you, do you want this? And I was like, I have no place to put that one. <laughs> like, I think it's cool. It's awesome. But my Ghostbusters shelf is, or, um, is, or I should say, top of my dresser is just like loaded, and I don't know where I can fit anything else on there. So, well, and Ryan, um, that one's been sitting there now for since I sent you the picture. That's you're talking what three months? Yeah, it's yeah. never moved. Yeah, it's well, never moved because it's a maybe, store where people don't go to look for yeah, stuff. Yeah, maybe we'll talk then about that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it's been there for a while, but yeah, no, like I said, it's it's cool. I, I have missed uh, doing this, but I certainly have I have expanded my horizons, particularly when it comes to uh, the toy side of this stuff. And I've learned more again. I've learned more about this, any of these things than I ever would have thought. And it's, well, been, and that's, it's been a lot of fun helping people out with it. Well, I was just saying, that's kind of the fun thing for you, too. Not not only I know you love helping people and everything else. And then, like you said, finding stuff for yourself as well that, that you get jazzed and excited about. But it's it's much like how it's been for me doing the show all these years, like. 
I've, to your point, I've learned more about Masters of the Universe and Turtles and things like that than I ever thought I would know just from doing the podcast. Like, I knew those things, but I didn't know them to the level that I know them now. So, um, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure, well, you also, I'm, I know you've picked up on like, what to look for with certain things when it comes to like, oh, here's the chase figure and here's this type of figure and everything else. Like you've picked up on a lot of that stuff too. Just got to research. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, I, I was a big collector way back before I got married and, and when I had kids and just kind of slowed down, you know, let's face it. When I got back into comics and with Joe, it really became focused on the sketchbook and yeah. unfortunately, when we don't do conventions and there's a figure and I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool for 20 bucks. And oh, by the way, sketches are now 100 bucks. Yeah. Wow, I could build an entire clone. You know, I could have the entire Bad Batch <laughs> for the same price of a. Right. Not to say a sketch is not worth that kind of money, but. No, it's, but uh, yeah, it, it's the proposition is there. And yeah, so you have to start balancing the two out. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Uh, very cool. Uh, Anthony, uh, what have you been up to? I know, uh, and you can dive right into this if you want to, uh, but I know you've been, uh, you've had a few figures come into your possession, uh, and everything. Yeah, I, am not as successful as the Turtle King. I just (laughs) happen to have a network of guys that I can reach out to and say, Hey, I'm looking for X, Y, and Z. And thankfully I've, Locally, and it's been local too, so it's nice to, to just kind of meet up with some buddies and grab lunch. And hey, I got this, and hey, I got that, and then I find this for them. And um, it's it's kind of funny how the toy community, um, the people that you find from it. Like I, yeah, I've been doing shows and uh, getting ready for ZoloCon next uh, first weekend in March, and be getting together with a bunch of guys I, I haven't had a chance to see, you know, in a few months or even longer because of COVID and stuff like that. So. I um I have in front of me, and I don't know where I want to start. I've got the Deluxe Snake Eyes with Timber, mm-hmm. which yeah. is, I mean, I keep staring at the cover of Silent Interlude, and yeah. I keep looking at my Snake Eyes, and I keep looking at the cover, and I'm like, it's, I mean, I, before the night's over, you'll probably hear the sounds of ratcheted joints, because I'm going to be posing this thing probably <laughs> in that. In that, that was pose. my figure of the year, Anthony. You know, I was on the fence at first about it. I was like, oh, I've got one, whatever. But then I'm looking at Timber, and I'm like, wow, that's that's a really cool. I, I'm not a I'm not an animal fan whatsoever. I'm like highly allergic to dogs and cats and stuff like that. But I wouldn't mind having an army of these things scattered throughout my house. <laughs> like I I could walk in and just talk to Timber and ask him how his day was. You know, I don't have to clean up after him or any of that kind of stuff. Um, because of my main love of mythic legions and, and figures like that, like it scales perfectly to have these, you know, this wolf with, with a lot sure. of the other characters. But, sure. um, I, I took my, my first version of snake eyes and gave him the backpack and the sword. Um, but other than that, like it's, it's a damn near perfect figure. Like the vibe, like the, the goggles, the whole thing, it's just, it's so, so clean um, I mean, it's all black, but yeah. it's, it's, it's awesome. The accessories are great. Uh, I really don't see, I don't really see an issue with the figure at all. And that's um, a figure where I think that if, if he didn't come with timber, I probably would have passed on it, which probably would have been a mistake. 
But if the original figure, let's say the, the original San Diego Comic-Con one, uh, which is the one I, I got uh, of Snake Eyes, if that one had come with Timber instead of the other accessories and everything else, I probably wouldn't have picked up the Commando-looking one, um, or I would have at least given it a... It would have been a... I wouldn't need to hear a whole lot of good things about it for me to pick it up, because I was just like, well, I've got the two things I want. Timber is what sold it for me, because I was a big... That was my Snake Eyes growing up, was the Snake Eyes that came with Timber. Um, so I was like, I need to have that. And, uh, yeah, like you said, the, the figure is amazing. Like, it's it's different enough from the original one that came out that it makes it worth owning. So, And, and the Timber alt faces are just yeah. awesome. I mean, oh, that's amazing. That scar, scar on the eye is awesome. The yeah, like, I'm looking at it now, the... the it's just the angry, growling face and the, the mouth, you know, mouth agape. And he's got great articulation scattered through the through the mid, you know, torso. Um, you can put him in all kinds of crazy dynamic poses and just have have a yeah. ball with just just the wolf, not 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 even counting the figure. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I would I, I could definitely see this being a, a, a top five or top figure of the year. Um my uh, my other classified figure that I got, which you know, as we've you know abundantly made clear, I'm the baby of the group, um, <laughs> is the Alley Viper. Um, the colors are something else, but when I see it, it just it, it takes me back to being eight years old, getting this figure in hand, and it was it, it's awesome. The the shield. Is really cool because it's almost not it's on a gyroscope, but the way it, it rotates, moves around, like it gives it the feel to where, like, if you lifted your arm up, I guess in, in a you know in a real world scenario, because of the way it moves and spins, you could lift your arm up and the shield could stay in that position. You could leave it drop down, or you could turn it however you need to. I've been able to take it where he's holding all of his weapons. And the, the smaller submachine gun able to like drop it to where the front foregrip sits in front of the shield. And I think I sent you that photo, Ryan, right? Yes. The, yep. the proposal. Yep. Yeah. I mean, he, he, the, the accessories, the different knives, the, the wrist knife, the chest knife, the, the spear gun with the spear, uh, or the, the crossbow section of it pops off. It's, it's beautiful. I want to find like four or five more of these. Um, these are the army troopers that I want to build for classified right now. Um, Very cool. And then I guess GI Joe classified adjacent. I did happen to score uh, uh, a Valiverse Action Force Bone Collector. Um, nice. Really cool. Really cool figures. The the ratcheting, the joints are super tight. The uh, the weapons are made from a slightly different plastic than I guess most of the weapons we're used to um the hands the hands are nice the the headgear he comes with the skull helmet that pops off and pops on um i have not taken the vest off of him because i've heard of the horror stories that are involved in taking the gear off and back on so i'm just kind of leaving him as is i did pre-order a night force steel brigade figure from big bad toy store uh because i missed out on getting the the steel brigade figure early on so I'll, I'll grab one of those, and you know it might be cool to have a couple of them just scattered through sure. the collect. Um, Sergeant Slaughter is pretty cool. They got a lot of uh, 
I guess they're trying to work their way through and getting a couple of uh, real world people. I think uh, I think Tim Kennedy, who's uh, an MMA fighter, um, I think he's in wave one of the future waves. Um, I know there's an all female wave coming out with that. So yeah, it's a it's a great time to be a one twelve scale collector. Sure, Anthony, Absolutely. did you get the slaughter? No. No, because I've seen it and I've seen pictures of it, and the glasses kind of weird me out. Um, I, I think that probably should have been a sculpted piece. Um, I think they went more how he really would look, and it's just the the face. I don't know. I, I would have hoped more for a slaughter of animated, you know, kind of proportions. Maybe not so um, WWE uh, DX Sergeant Slaughter looking pudgy face. Um, outside of that, I mean, it's a pretty cool looking figure. I just, I couldn't pull the trigger on it. It gets to a point where I can only collect so many things. Um, and my love of the Mythic Legions line is so adept at this point. And I'm starting to dabble my toes in some of the Mezco 112 uh, stuff. And if I collect any new lines, uh, I won't be able to record with you guys anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that. Yeah, the um, I looked at the Big Bad Toy Store uh, stuff where they've done the Action Force stuff, and like I love, I, I've been so tempted so many times to get the one that looks like uh, Jack Burton, uh, just because I'm like, I don't know if I'll ever see a Jack Burton action figure, but I also know that there is a possibility that NECA will do one at some point. They've, NECA's been doing like, so many figures that I never thought they would ever do. So I'm kind of like holding out. Cause I know that I, I think Eric, you and I talked about before, like they do have the rights to his likeness, at least cause they've done the thing. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, could there be a Jack Burton at some point in the future for big trouble in little China? We'll, we'll see. Um, I don't know. Give it six months and super seven alone, the line, the license. Right. Of, right. They, <laughs> I think I saw something just today that they announced some sort of partnership with Muppets. I don't oh, know wow. the specifics. No, they're, they're, I don't know if it's reaction stuff or if it's the Muppets is the Doctor Teeth and Electric Mayhem. They're reaction figures. Oh, gotcha. Oh. It's actually it's actually in the blur that's, about it. That's an easy pass for me. Then I'm not yeah. a fan of the reaction figures. If I wanted to go backwards to five POA, I would just collect vintage Star Wars figures. So yeah, I'm so not. There's a couple I might pick up, like Cliff Burton from Metallica. The original, uh, not the original. I, I saw. That one, some of the musician ones are kind of neat looking, but like the Johnny Cash ones, the the Lemmy ones, but I just, I don't know. The only five POA figures that I own in my collection right now are the Marvel Legend ones. I have the Captain America and the U.S. Agent one. Um, yeah, I've got a few of those. I, I'm, I'm leaving them. They're designed to be kept. Yeah. You know, uh, M.O.C. See, you can't. You don't want to, the artwork and all that stuff. Just like those reaction figures are the same way. But yeah. I, I, I want to play with my toys. I, I can't. I, I won't go too far down that rabbit hole. The, the Joe reaction figures faked me out hardcore in Target the other day. <laughs> because I walk in there and I saw them up on the shelves and I just saw them from a distance and I saw the cars. I'm like, oh shit! Like thinking it's it's O rings. But they're like yeah. up on like, aren't they? Oh. oh. <laughs> They're they're kind of they're kind of pricey for they're eighteen dollars. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No thanks. If I buy a Marvel Legend for, for like two dollars more right now or three dollars yeah. more right now, I yeah. yeah I can't, I can't. 
Um, you guys see that Super or that Silverhawks has a not only does Super Seven have them doing a line, but now they've got they licensed it out to Ramen Toys, the guys that just did the um uh, they just did the um oh my god why Centurions oh now they're, okay ah. they're, they're uh, a line of they, well they're just doing Quicksilver I think right now gotcha so it's more of a one twelve scale more. more True 112 scale. The Super 7 stuff has its own strange yeah. scale, where it's more like somewhere in between 112 and McFarlane size. It's like yeah, a. I'll, I'll stick with my with my Super 7 when I get it in like 2025, whenever the hell they actually make it. So I uh, <laughs> I pre-ordered a steel uh, a steel will uh yeah, I'm sorry steel will um, figure because of the Silver Hawks. He yeah. tends to be my favorite of them. Yeah, I, I want the, the the main five, and that's it. They can. I don't even want. I don't want any of the villains. I don't. I just want the main five Silverhawks, and that's it. Um, and I'm Monstar's that. like an almost ten inch tall figure. Oh yeah, they look impressive. I'm not. I'm not knocking them at all. It's just it's knowing where the cutoff is. Like we've talked about many times, that that's the only reason. It's not that I don't like it. I think it looks amazing. I'm just like, yeah, I'm just gonna stick with the the core five characters that I remember that were the heroes and I'm not getting any of the other ones, but all the other ones look incredible. So, um, it's very difficult to, to say no, but, um, grub, what's been going on with you, man? I'm trying to remember. <laughs> when was the last time I was on the show? Was that November? Right before Christmas? I think so. Yeah. It was um, the fantasy draft, wasn't it? No, no, no. I was on after uh, John. He was on oh, after that. Oh, you did one for, the, um, for Ryan's, uh, Kickstarter. What no, it was. Yeah. I, I want to say it was. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah. Christmas happened. Uh, we were we, a couple of weeks ago. We were Disney World for a couple of days. We happened to be there right after the Festival of the Arts. the The day we were in Epcot was the second day of the Festival of the Arts. Yeah. Um, which we hadn't done before, and I dropped probably four to five hundred dollars on art prints. <laughs> you got some nice pieces though. Yeah, any anything anything Disney Robin Hood animated is uh I'm a I'm a mark for. Um and if you guys have not heard the stories about the figment popcorn bucket, just look it up. <laughs> it's <laughs> crazy. Freaking insane. But I have Because how much was it selling at the park for? Like twenty five dollars. That's what I thought. I was gonna say like twenty, but yeah, twenty five dollar popcorn bucket in in the the design of Figment, the dragon, yeah. the little Which it looked really cool. I'm not gonna I'm not oh, knocking yeah. it at all. It looked really cool, but it was selling on eBay, at least at that time. I haven't looked recently, but at that time it was selling for like hundred and twenty five dollars. <laughs> it went upwards of a of, of two hundred dollars at one point, but it's oh wow. I don't know, I don't care. Uh, yeah. but we had some friends that uh uh we're like, hey, we're going to get in line for the figment bucket. You want one? I'm like, sure. And so they only waited an hour and a half as opposed to the first day. It was like a upwards of seven hours that people were waiting to buy these buckets. That's crazy. For a freaking popcorn bucket. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a cool popcorn bucket. but could, Yeah. Um, and the rumor is they went through 60,000 of them in like four days. Holy shit. Wow. <laughs> Damn. You know, if people want to think that, like, if, if people don't know the Disney fandom, I mean, it's insanity. It's absolute insanity. Um, so we had a nice little trip down. Um, and then back to the humdrum of, of life. Yeah. You know, I got, I got uh, tickets to uh, GalaxyCon coming up and down yonder by, by John. 
in was it next month march march yeah yeah and then like the weekend before that is WinterCon up in new york city which uh we're having an aliens kind of colonial marines reunion so there's some autographs i want there that's cool um but outside of that and then i bought my tickets my flights for anaheim for star wars celebration in may nice other than that it's uh holding on to shit that i gotta give to john plus money that i still owe him <laughs> um, that's all right people been in me for more so you're good yeah i know i mean i don't even remember how much you owe me right now for these things <laughs> i have for you so whatever um i'll figure it out when i get to that point I'm not too worried about it um i think it was 75 dollars or something like that but um yeah now i'm right now i'm just trying to figure out what i want to bring down to have uh bruce boxleitner sign it and the the con down in richmond but uh outside of that i mean i don't know it's just i mean that's enough <laughs> it's more than i'm doing <laughs> yeah that's true yeah I'm, i mean i'm really starting to get it, it's interesting with looking you know trying to get back into the con scene more heavily and looking at what shows have survived yeah um you know, the Wizard World shows are gone. They got bought out by Fan Expo. Um, there was another show that I know Anthony knows about that was outside of, um, basically it was like right around the corner from them up there in, uh, effectively Valley Forge. Um, but they, uh, apparently didn't give refunds for COVID cancel, cancelizations and the state took oh. them to court. And <laughs> wow. Oh, the greater, greater Philly. Yeah. Those guys are, yeah, they deserve it. I, I hope. I hope. I hope the court takes them for all they can. But they were. They were pretty good. You know, if you're looking for autograph shit like stuff like I am, they were pretty good for that. But yeah, it was like a. They're like it's like for every unrefunded ticket, it was like a ten thousand dollar fine. Wow. <laughs> so I think that show is toast. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I'm curious to see how the con scene's gonna like i i suspect it's gonna come exploding back um yeah i would think so too just because of people desperately want to you know i mean what's normal anymore really yeah well and that's like i'm i mean i'm i'm hoping that you know by the time fall comes i'll be doing baltimore uh again going out and seeing all you guys again um I would think with the way the numbers are trending, let's hope it keeps going that way, that the world will be a much better place by then. Uh, so I'm, I'm hoping for that. Uh, I, I, not something I want to officially announce on the show just yet, but it's looking like I should be actually tabling my first convention and it'll be a pretty decent sized one in, in May. Uh, well, end of April, beginning of May. Um, once, like I got the confirmation, but until I see like my, my name on the website or something like that, I'm not going to announce it officially. Uh, but I, I got confirmation from the organizer. So I, I would think it's, it's good to go. But, uh, like I said, I'll, as we get closer to that, I'll officially announce it. But yeah, I'm hoping to do some conventions, uh, actually table some conventions this year. Um, I'm going to stick locally. I'll, I'll be sticking probably within the Ohio area, maybe venture like one state over or something like that um and then who knows at the years after that um i'd love to go to some some other conventions in other states and really you know make really live the convention life even for if it's just for a year or something like that but um uh real short 
update when it comes to the comics, uh, Stealth Hammer, where uh, Joel is uh, more than halfway through the issue right now, and uh, the colorist that we have on it now, uh, uh, Louis Delgado, who has done, uh, if if you haven't, I think I mentioned it last time, that we did have to change colorists because Chris Sotomayor uh, he was just too overwhelmed and he just couldn't uh, couldn't do any more. So him and I had a nice professional conversation and he was just like, yeah, I, th- I think if you can find somebody else that would probably help you out the best, I don't want to hold you up. So, um, so then uh, I reached out to Lewis who has done Ghostbusters and uh, some Transformers work and he's done... Um, He's going to be doing some G.I. Joe stuff uh, coming up, uh, coloring-wise and everything else, too. So very, I uh, was very excited to have him uh, on there, and I've already gotten a couple pages. He's actually supposed to send me uh, two to three more pages tonight, he told me. So uh, looking forward to seeing what he does. So uh, his coloring definitely really fits with uh, the type of book that we're doing. So, uh, And then one thing that was really cool recently in regards to the comic is we had Chrissy Zulo do the... Um, variant cover for it and just recently she has announced uh having done one two three four variant covers for marvel so she's starting to get noticed by marvel and getting a a name for herself doing some alternate covers for them i feel like i'm Uh, surprised that she doesn't have more i don't want to say mainstream notoriety but you know dc marvel haven't picked up on her early i know I'm shocked too, but, uh, it seems like that's starting to happen now, uh, which is really cool. So, uh, and obviously if, if someone's really into her stuff and hey, my comic's coming out, it's, it's a nice way to kind of bring them over and well, stuff. So speaking uh, of Chrissy plus her, whatever husband, boyfriend, uh, Chris Omega. Yeah. However you spell it. Minga. Yeah. He had a, he had a bunch of prints at the Disney Festival of the Arts. So yes. And they look really, really cool. Yeah, well, I, um, what I got was the the Robin Hood one, which I was just like, gotta find, gotta find, gotta find. <laughs> yeah, I think with his, like with him, I probably would have gotten all of them because <laughs> he posted all of them, and I'm like, all oh, those are really cool. The two top ones for me were the Robin Hood and the Haunted Mansion, uh, or not the Haunted Mansion, but the uh, Ghostbusters one that they did, uh, where it's the it's a cartoon from uh, old old cartoon with Mickey, Donald, and Goofy in there. Uh, hunting ghosts down, and there's, I think it was three ghosts in that cartoon. Uh, there's, uh, they have, there's an old cartoon, it's the Lonesome Ghosts. Yes. Um, but I think that the one you're talking about is a different episode, but it's the same ghost. Yeah, yeah. So he's, he did one with that because it was one of his favorite cartoons growing up, and I saw it and I was like, well, that was one of my favorite cartoons growing up, so I was like, that definitely would have been one of the ones I got. But then he did like Mickey and uh, like all different versions of Mickey. And then he had one other one. I can't remember what it was, but, um, but like they were all just very impressive. Uh, I really am a fan of his, his artwork as well. So, um, but yeah, so that's, that's kind of brings you up to speed with all of us. Uh, uh, so we are actually going to be, uh, Covering in this episode a very, very important G.I. Joe issue. Uh, the last one we covered, Anthony can attest to this, was not the most important G.I. Joe issue. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, so bad. So, uh, but this is, uh, this is probably, I would say this is the G.I. Joe issue that everyone knows if you know any G.I. Joe issue, uh, other than maybe number one. But this uh, is where we stop talking, right? 
Yes, yeah, we just go right into silent mode. Silent mode, maybe <laughs> maybe flip the pages and so we get to page 22 and then we'll do our goodbyes and we'll be done. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, there's been many times I thought about doing a silent episode where you just like totally theater, theater of the mind where no one's talking but you just hear sound effects and you have to still piece together what the hell's going on. <laughs> so there, there's a very like, famous, very, very the, famous piece of music called 433 by John Cage, which is literally four minutes and 33 seconds of silence. So there's oh, wow. paper and you, so Cage, Cage was a modernist composer. I met him when he was in his nineties. The dude was bananas, but he, he would just sit on stage and the idea was that it was everything going on around you was the music. That's kind of cool. So, I like that. I like that. Do you remember as kids the video cassettes where they would, you know, the read, they would like read to you and it would hit the, oh, yeah. the thing noise and turn the page. <laughs> yeah. It could just be a whole episode of just that going on every like two or three seconds and it'd be done in 20 minutes. Right. When you hear the tone, turn the page. <laughs> and I, I have nothing to back this up, but I would, uh, I think it's a pretty safe bet to say this is also probably the most reprinted G.I. Joe issue ever. Um, oh, oh yeah. How many versions ever they put out? Yeah. I, I didn't even bother trying to look because I don't think I could have figured it out. So um, I do have a few that we'll, we'll talk about once we're, we're done uh, or maybe even before we start. But uh, there are some that I I think are somewhat noteworthy to, to mention and, and bring up So um, that have been done. Uh, but before we jump into the issue and, and everything else, there was a monumental thing that happened when it came to this issue just recently. And John, I think you're the person that, I mean, you brought it to our attention. So I think it's only fair that you let everyone know what it was and what the hell happened. I will tell the abbreviated version and I will recommend that while I don't, well, yeah, I like recommending other podcasts. Uh, check out the Felix art podcast, uh, Felix Liu, who's a, who's a rep for many really tremendous artists these days. Uh, has done two episodes where the cover to issue 21 has been half of the conversation uh, and two different with two different people. For those of you that aren't aware, one person owns the entire interior artwork to issue 21. He bought it directly from Larry Hama through a dealer about 20 years ago. The cover has been missing for 25 years. Nobody knew where it was. And there's been a lot of talk about it over time. Look, I'm a small player. We're all small players in the Joe collecting world, but you get to know some of the bigger players and you get to hear some of the stories and been a lot of conversation about where the hell's the cover to 21. Back in November, like right after Thanksgiving, this picture pops up on Instagram and it is the uh, guy who does all the processing for heritage auctions. And he, there's a picture and there in all its glory are the pen and inks to issue 21 of G.I. Joe, a real American hero. And everybody kind of went, what the fuck? <laughs> because no idea what the story goes. Uh, and the cover, there's also, over the years, people were confused as to who actually drew the cover because the the initials were so uh, sketchy looking. You couldn't really tell. You could tell it was Klaus Jansen did the inks, but people for a long time th- thought Frank Miller actually did the pencils. Well, it was Ed Hannigan. And Ed Hannigan sold that cover along with, I believe, a Batman cover to a dealer up in Canada, I think in British Columbia, back in like 88 or 89. Yeah. And sold it to the guy. Basically, it was part of a package deal. Basically, gave, gave him the cover for about 150 bucks. Yeah, the guy actually just yeah. just wanted the Batman yeah. thing. Yeah, wanted the like Batman it. thing. was not Because, you know, G.I. Joe was, 
popular right. with people that like G.I. Joe, but it was not. Uh, right. you know, it's also the late 80s. And let's face it, that was not the best time for that book. So and it was the yeah. to- it was the, the quote unquote, the toy properties. Yes. And people didn't yes. take it seriously, whereas obviously us as kids did. But no, no adult yeah. collectors yes. really did. So, so yeah. So this this cover, he it's apparently been sitting in a crawl space in a binder since the late 80s. He finds it. He gets it to Heritage. And then the real fun begins because the question then became, well, is Gene Park, who owns all the original interiors, is Gene going to get the cover? Right. Well, the cover goes. Now, we in this group, at least you, me, Ryan, me, and Grubb had talked about it. And a couple other people I'd talked to about it. What's it going to go for? What's it going to go for? And almost immediately it was 150K. It ended up going for 312K with the buyer premium to pay Heritage. That's crazy. Way beyond what anybody thought. Uh, I figured it was, I actually thought it would go for 250. Uh, I, yeah, I was thinking like 200, 250. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, so interestingly enough, on that podcast that I mentioned, the Felix Art podcast, the first episode he had Gene Park on, and Gene said he was willing to spend about 160 for it. And then the second episode where they talked about it, but also the page from Secret Wars number eight, which is a much later appearance of the Black Spidey costume, but that page sold for 3.3 million. It's the highest right. paid out for a for a modern art page. Well, the second the second episode is with Chuck Costas, and for those of you who don't know Chuck, Chuck is the preeminent GI Joe collector in the U.S. Uh, his his collection of Mike Zek covers, which he bought from Zek as a teenager for literally $150 to $200 a piece in the 80s, um, is insane. Uh, Chuck's a really nice guy. And uh, but anyway, Gene didn't get the cover. Nobody's really sure who got the cover. It was none of the name players, the people that kind of know, that kind of know, that kind of know. Nobody's really clear on who got it. It's probably gone now. You'll probably never see it again. Yeah, uh, just a fascinating thing. But but I think the interesting thing to it is while it is, it's a very iconic cover. The debate has been okay, if it wasn't the cover to twenty one, would it be as valuable if it wasn't the cover to twenty one? Do the interiors and the story and the prestige of that make it more valuable? I would say it would because. Think about it, guys. You could put any number on that cover, any any stock issue of G.I. Joe that's got Snake Eyes in it, you could put that cover on it. If it's issue 45. No one cares. Or issue 20. Yeah. <laughs> with, yeah. with Clutch falling off. You know, yeah. Clutch, uh, well, all of a sudden, it's, it's Snake Eyes running on the side of a wall. It's really, it's really been interesting to listen to the, the conversation amongst the major players in terms of the fact that, that they believe that the, the interiors and the – the history of the book is what makes the cover so much more valuable now. I totally uh, agree. And Absolutely. Then it, then it becomes, what do you think the interiors are worth? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, geez. Uh, yeah. Um, as far as I know, Gene's not looking to move them anytime soon. And, sure. and now there, there is an addition you may not, you're probably not going to talk about because I don't know how many people know about it. Last year, a little art publisher in France put out basically their version of an artist edition of this book. Okay. And I regret not getting it. Yeah. I didn't do it at the time. It was about, I think it's a 250 copies total. Oh, it's wow. really small. And it was 
with shipping to the U.S. was only going to be about a hundred and a quarter, maybe a hundred and fifty, and I didn't do it, and I'm really sorry I didn't. I don't know how they got it. I don't know if Gene worked with them. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, gray in terms of how all that came to pass because it was not an approved. It certainly was not approved by anybody. Sure, was this little boutique art house put this edition out and. Like I said, I'm sorry I didn't pick one up because I still think IDW sucks from the standpoint that they could have put out that artist edition years ago and they didn't. Totally Isn't it agree. a shame that that cover, you, if, particularly if Gene had gotten the cover, imagine what he could have done having the complete thing. Oh, yeah. And what he could have done with it. Well, and, and, and to your point, when it comes to that, I agree, IDW should have put that out, especially with seeing, seeing some of the other ones that they did put out. I'm like, there's no way you can tell me that those other ones. Fire as much as, as much as I as much as I me, love Micronauts, there's no way that Micronauts had more pre-orders than they G. told Joe me did. fire interest. So you take but, that for whatever it's worth. I'm glad yeah. IDW's losing license. Fuck those guys. I think I think it's it I'm was publisher. I think it was publisher interest. So, <laughs> um, yeah, and I'm I'm interested obviously in 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 somebody else having the property because they haven't been making me very happy with it in recent years. So, um, but. Uh, not to dwell on that, but yeah, it's, it is a very awesome issue. So before we get into the actual issue, uh, I want to kind of go around and, and find out like what, if you remember at all, what was your, your first experience reading the issue? Like when was it roughly? Like how did you read it? Whatever. Um, John, we'll start with you. I bought it off the newsstand because I bought, I started with issue 18. I remember thinking, why the hell aren't there words? I was still fairly young. I mean, that seems to be a pretty common thing yeah, for a I lot mean, of people. It, yeah, so, yeah, you know, when you're a grade schooler and and I, I mean, it had snake eyes on the cover. I, mean, I was going to get it, and and then you get the big reveal at the end. You're like, what does this mean? Right. Uh, I, you know, I think when you're 10 or 11, you don't have. I didn't. I don't know if I still have much appreciation. I mean, I have a much better appreciation now, just hanging out with artists and others. But sure. but being, you know, looking at it. Uh, objectively, I remember thinking, why did I pay 60 cents for this when I read it literally in like two minutes, not understanding that I should soak it in. Right. Digest it all. Yeah. Well, and that, like I said, that seems to be what the, the common thing was back then was that people were actually writing in going like, Hey, you forgot the words. You made a mistake. Uh, why did I pay so much money for this? You know, that type of stuff. And then years later, of course, they're like, okay, this is an amazing story. <laughs> um, Hey, uh, okay, Grub, how about for you? What was your first experience reading this? Um, I think my first experience reading this has been within the last 15 to 20 years. Okay. I, I have zero, like, I had issues of the Joe comic as a kid, but it was few and far between. Um, yeah. I, I don't I just don't know if I read it as a kid or not. I I don't think I did because I don't really have any friends who were into G.I. Joe comics. All my friends that were into comics were all DC Marvel um and then well image. Um but I think I my first memory of reading this is really when IDW started putting out the omnibuses. Yeah. Trades of the old Marvel stuff. And I think that's where I really read it for the well, read it as it were for the first right. time. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I've known the, the importance, as it were, of this episode, of this issue long before I read it. Um, mm-hmm. so to me, it's like, it's a fine issue, but I don't, I just don't have this like reverence for it because it, 
I, I didn't read it till I was probably in my twenties. Sure. Uh, Makes sense. So it's just one of those things where it's kind of like, okay, like and when you look back and you, you know, I can look at it from a historical perspective and go, okay, well, you know, now you find out that, oh, they both have the same tattoos and, you know, you know, Snake Eyes is a badass and Storm Shadow is a badass. And, um, like, I think there is importance there, but I think it really comes down to it. Uh, to me, it feels like right now, as we're watching TV shows like Mando and Boba Fett and Hawkeye and all these and WandaVision, and as we're watching them come out week to week to week, you know, what's going to be like in 10 years from now when people look back on those things and go, well, what was the big deal? Because, you know, at the time when 21 came out and then you had to wait whatever it was, another month for the next ep- issue and, you know, it took time to play out. Now you can look back at it and go, okay, well, I get all that now, but, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anthony, how about for you? So I read – my story is kind of like Grubbs. Um, I didn't really read much of the G.I. Joe comics in the 80s. Uh, most of my stuff at that time was superhero stuff, but, I, you know, being a fan of the toys and the cartoons, I don't – to be honest, I don't even know if I knew that the G.I. Joe comic even existed. It wasn't until, like, 2000, 2001, I came across a collection of probably 20 or 30 G.I. Joe comics – um, and Silent Interlude was one of the earlier ones in that run, and I was like, "Wow, this is this is really cool." And then you're able to read online, and you would go to what, whatever it was, yojo.com, or, or no, was it? What was the one? I think yeah, I guess it was Yo, Yojo and stuff like that. And then you start seeing the and the importance of this comic, or at least the reverence that it had. And you go back and you read it over and over again. You're like, I get this. And then you yeah. start looking at your figures going, this is this is what G.I. Joe was supposed to be. Like, this was this is the Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow story. Like, this is where we get it all comes from there. Um, yeah, it's I feel like every time I go through it, I find a new little something that I missed before. And it's only, you know. X amount of panels. There's no words. It's not like you're learning a new dialogue or anything like that. But um, yeah, but I think I think to your point, it's one of those things where because you're being forced, like what John was talking about, you're you're being forced to look at the art. Um, that every time you do quote unquote read it, and we'll just say read it instead of quoting it every time, but <laughs> um, every time you do read it, you are being forced to look at just the art. So you, I can totally understand like noticing a line you didn't notice before or a window you didn't notice before, or just little subtle things that they've done. So, um, so I totally get that. For me, uh, it's, it's very similar to, both of you guys, I did, I did know about the G.I. Joe comic when I was a kid. Uh, I only had a few issues because I didn't know where to get them. I would only, I'd, I'd get one G.I. Joe comic very sporadically. I remember my first issue was issue four. So I did start early, but I wasn't getting it consecutively. It would be just random issues every once in a while. So 21 would, unfortunately, was not one of the random issues that I got. Um, much like what Grub was saying, like, I knew growing up that the importance of the issue. Uh, I knew of the issue and everything else. I remember Marvel Comics doing uh, a whole month of what they referred to as Nuff Said, which were all silent issues. 
And I think that's what first tipped me off. Like, why are these all being done as silent issues? Like, that's kind of cool, but also kind of weird and everything else. And then I talked to the comic shop owner and he's just like, oh, you don't know about you know, <laughs> where this started from and everything else. And he told me about uh, issue 21 and still had not read it at that point. Um, I think I actually read the Jeremy Dale uh, kind of companion to this issue first uh, before reading the silent interlude, which doing that will definitely mess with your mind because it's not meant to be something to necessarily read by itself. It is a companion piece to issue 21. Um, it's a very cool companion piece, but it's meant to take place in between the, the panels of issue 21. So um, I think the first time I read issue 21 was just uh, a collected trade that had it in there. So um, I was definitely an adult, but I don't really remember vividly when I read it, but like, just like Grub was saying, like it, I knew of the importance of it. I knew the importance in GI Joe. I was definitely a GI Joe toy collector as a kid and, uh, and cartoon watcher. Uh, the comic, like I said, sporadically, I would get the comic, but, uh, it, I wasn't the comic collector of Joe at, at that time. So, uh, that's very much changed in my life, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's, that was my experience with Silent Interlude. So, um, John, you're probably, the, so you're out of the four of us, you're the one that was like there at the beginning and, uh, got to experience exactly what Grub was saying, which is waiting, having to wait a whole month before knowing what was going to happen next. So, um, so very cool. Um, before we also, before we dive in, just want, like we normally do with these, uh, wanted to go around the table real quick and just say, how are we reading it for this review? So like, do you have the issue? Do you have a trade? Do you have uh hardcover or whatever you have? I will, I will at least say I, what I have is they did a 30th anniversary, uh, hardcover edition called GI Joe Silent interlude. Uh, it has a lot of extra stuff in it that we'll, we'll talk about uh, a bit. Um, I also have the GI Joe complete hardcover, uh, that has it in there as well. And then I have a few other reprints of it as well. So I do have multiple copies of that. I do not own the actual comic itself though. So John, how are you, uh, reviewing this with us? I have also have the 30th anniversary hardcover. I've got several copies of the floppy, but, uh, I can't keep my stack straight to find them. And this was actually right at the top. So when you said, Oh, issue 21, sweet. I know where that is. Nice. Nice. Uh, uh grub. How about for you? Uh, I'm rocking the, uh, the GI Joe complete collection volume two. From nice. IPW. So that's what I have sitting in front of me at the moment. <laughs> Very nice. And Anthony, how about for you? Ryan, like you and uh, John, I'm reading the Silent Interlude uh, hardcover as well. I managed to get a signature from Mark Belomo, who wrote the forward in it, and I'm hoping to snag Mr. Hama down at some point uh, in the near future, hopefully at a show, and get him to sign this one as well. Very cool. Yeah, this is definitely one that I would love to get Hama to sign at some point. Um, well, it's yeah, that's the, this trade or this hardcover I have is signed by Larry Hama. <laughs> oh yeah, I think mine is too. From, from 2019. Uh, trying to flip real quick because I know I had him sign like a whole bunch of these when I I had them at a convention, but I'm not sure if this is one of them or not. I'm not seeing his signature in here. 
So I might only have volume one signed by him. I thought I had volume one and two, but um, I know I have volume one signed by him. But um, the the forward was really cool. Like you were mentioning, Anthony, I, I you know I did read this hardcover cover to cover. This was the first time I actually sat down and read the whole hardcover. When I first got it, I just read the, you know the silent issue stuff. I didn't read the introduction or the backup material. Uh, that was for the first time done uh just yesterday for me so um but it's a it is a very awesome hardcover i i when we go once we're gone through it i'll i'll mention some things that uh i wish they had done but with it but it's not i have no complaints about anything that they did put into this hardcover it's just i wish there had been a little bit more in it um so um all right so i as usual i'm going to go through page by page, cover, cover, credits, all that type of stuff. At any point, if you guys have anything you want to interject or say, uh, knowledge-wise, interest-wise, whatever, excited-wise, uh, feel free to jump in and cut me off at any point. So uh, so this is G.I. Joe or American Hero number 21. Uh, I'm going to give the credits first before we even talk about the cover, uh, but the... Story and breakdowns are by Larry Hama. Uh, the finishes are done by Steve Leoloa. Uh, the coloring is done by George uh, Russos. Uh, editor is Denny O'Neill, and editor-in-chief is Jim Shooter. Uh, so when it comes to the cover, uh, we had just talked about that. Uh, it's Snake Eyes scaling a building. Uh, I would say he's probably rappelling down or climbing. I, I'd say probably rappelling down based on what the story is showing and uh, taking on fire and shooting back. And uh, it says the most unusual GI Joe story ever. Here's, here's so. a quick question. Yeah. Who actually drew this? Ed Hannigan. Yeah. Okay. Cause, it, cause I, I realized when, when I'm looking at it, it says story and breakdowns finishes coloring editor to editor in chief. And I'm like, well, there's no artist on here. <laughs> Well, the cup, co- the cover was Hannigan, but Larry did the breakdowns. Yeah. You know, that, that's how he, instead of writing a script, he just drew a bunch of stuff and then Steve, Steve went in and finished it. And, and the, the 30th anniversary edition actually has some of the roughs. Yeah. So you can actually see, I mean, it, it's. <laughs> and the roughs are actually pretty the, impressive. The roughs are pretty, are not so rough. I mean, they're, no, they're, they're not. Rough. They're, yeah. Especially knowing some of the, Work that I see Hama do. I'm sketching for, it now, yeah, yeah, and and everything, but yeah, the the roughs are actually pretty sweet. I, I love that they put some of those in here. So maybe I'll because I know um, Third Eye comic store I go to has that 30th anniversary hardcover in the store. Maybe I'll go down and pick it up because I'm going to be down there on Saturday anyway. Yeah, I'd say it's worth it. I mean, especially because it's not too badly priced. It's 20 bucks. So. Uh, that's not bad for a hardcover, and there's a lot of extra material. We'll, we'll talk about what's in here and everything else uh, a little later, but but yeah, I say it's worth it um, to have it. Um, so what do you so what do you guys Ryan, think about or, the cover? Yeah, um, yeah. To to go back on the cover, would you say that of the, the first run of GI Joe that this is probably in terms of the most iconic covers? It's probably issue one. It's probably this one, and then probably the last issue. I would say so. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. Uh, one and yeah, one twenty-one. 
I don't know. I'd say number two is more famous than the last one, but I mean, I would, one and 21 are certainly the most. Yeah. I'd most say two and, two and the last one are both kind of probably pretty even as far as people recognizing them. Um, and then, of course, you have some other ones that sporadically in there that people definitely recognize uh, and are iconic. But, yeah, this is for sure. Uh this and twenty, uh, this and number one are probably the two that could go either or is probably the most iconic. Um, and this is, and not to play off of that word, but this is one of those iconic shots too. Like this is the hero shot. Like that, yes, it, for once it actually does play a little bit into what the story is about. Um, but I could definitely see somebody just drawing this today if they were just doing a GI Joe cover. Uh, even if it had nothing to do with what was actually inside. Well, and how many people have ripped this off? I mean, oh about, God! I mean the 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 sheer number of ripoffs. I think yeah. of Deadpool immediately, but I know there are many. In fact, the sixth gun, it, their issue twenty one is entirely. And they and I talked to those guys about it. Uh, Colin yeah. Colin Bunn and oh gosh, who was um, I can't think who was the artist on that book. I can't think of his name, but anyway, uh, but I'm, yeah, I know them, what you're we ta- about, yeah. I actually have that issue because that cover, it's the sick the guy from the sixth gun running on the side of a wall with a gun. Yep. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, and we talked extensively about this book. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, I've seen tons of homages to this cover. So um, so then we go into the uh, into the issue. Uh, it's titled si- Silent Interlude. Uh, we have the Silent Castle uh, there. Uh, and uh, it's it's an imposing looking castle like that would have been amazing to have as a toy. I was just um, the same thing. That's yeah. Really cool looking. <laughs> yeah. Um, we have, and Storm Shadow is, uh, flying down towards it in a claw and he's got somebody wrapped up, uh, in rope and a tarp. So we don't know who it is. We just see legs and we really don't even know Storm Shadow is the one flying it because this is Storm Shadow's first introduction, which I found very interesting that this is his first appearance. John, for you, obviously, had no idea who the hell this character was. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> Just a white ninja. That's all you knew. <laughs> yeah, didn't he have his Cobra sigil yet? Right. So uh, so he comes swooping down. Uh, and, and that's just a really cool shot, too, that first opening page. So um, he comes swooping down on the next page, comes flying into the uh, into the temple there where Cobra Commander is speaking before the troops. And uh, one thing that I, I, in reading this, I guess there was just a few corrections from the original that had, in some cases, had never been corrected before, which is when he's flying through that window, the window he flies through, I guess, in the original issue is just white, even though the windows on the other side are blue. So they recolored it blue for this issue, uh, for this reprint. Uh, it's uh, blue in the uh, the hardcover collection. Here. Oh, is it? Okay. I know there's one of the things they said was never corrected until this particular issue. So, um, but I know in the, in the actual issue itself, they were saying that the window was, that middle window was white. Um, and then, uh, he lands down with the claw. We see, uh, he's got a body all wrapped up and we don't even know that the body's a a live person (laughs) at this point. Um, he lands, he's handed his sword, uh, Holds it up in the air, then he comes slicing down, and it opens up the tarp, and we see Scarlet there. Uh, she's got a band-aid on her head, on her face, and her one eye is bruised. 
and we'll talk about that after we go through the issue because um, there's some interesting inform- background information they give about that uh, in this hardcover. Um, I don't think I realized that her eye was bruised. Yeah. I yeah. just thought she was like, she had it closed or whatever as a reaction to having a thing cut open. Yeah. Um, then uh, Cobra Commander uh, orders her, uh, looks like he's ordered her to t- uh, be taken away. Uh, Storm Shadow bows before him. Uh, they head down the steps. Troopers open up a, uh, basically a, a sewer, <laughs> uh, manhole cover type thing. And, uh, then we get a, a shot, a panel with the, uh, a plane up in the sky over, over the castle there. Can, can we talk about that manhole cover for a second? Sure, sure. Um, not to get like, you know, realistic, but do you see how thick that thing is supposed to be? <laughs> <laughs> One guy's a, lifting it. He's, he's not a ninja turtle. <laughs> and yeah, uh, hopefully Cobra has a good workman's comp uh, <laughs> policy because he's probably going to have some lower back issues afterwards. Yeah, he's some he, back either pain. that or that dude's Jack, and that's what he just does all day. Lift up. <laughs> right. I take things up and put them down. That's his whole job. Oh, yeah. you need to go back down there. Okay, let me lift this. <laughs> lift your legs, not your back. Nice. The manhole lifter viper. Yes, yeah. manhole viper. Make make that no, a, make that no a, no a, no. Wait, no. I don't think we're talking about that. Manhole viper. <laughs> uh, okay, well, well, lift viper. Yeah, lift viper. <laughs> get on that Hasbro. Make that a figure. Um, so then we get the uh, the plane overhead. It opens up, and we see Snake Eyes is there. And this he is my goes, favorite page of the entire book. Yeah, yeah, he goes diving down, and uh, I'm I'm also going to point out here. Yeah. As somebody whose dad jumped out of airplanes consistently for his entire military career, that Uzi being that loose, dangerous. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine so. <laughs> wouldn't be that quite that loose. Yeah, I, I would think that that's held pretty taut because it, it you can tell too because it goes flopping in front of him yeah. <laughs> on the next panel. So yeah, that thing would be better secured. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, I just hear like vintage, like action eight bit Nintendo shoot 'em up <laughs> music playing in the background as it flies over and he jumps out of the plane. Nice. Maybe that's what was uh, being shot down in that old Atari game where it was <laughs> where you just had to run across and the Cobra was spitting stuff down. Maybe they're just spitting Snake Eyes down. Um. So then we go on to the next page there and we have Scarlet. Uh, she's shackled to a, a stone there and uh storm Shadow's watch looking over her and she's looking up at him all angry like and he goes to uh reach towards her face and she bites him um you know what i just noticed look at the yeah. roof of that room yeah there are rungs on the roof which means if you're crawling out of there you're basically going to be hanging yes yep like how the fuck are you supposed to get in and out of that <laughs> Well, and that's the, if you look at the Jeremy Dale thing, like they show Scarlet at one point is hanging from, uh, one of those rungs and everything else. So, uh, and then, uh, you see after she bit Storm Shadow, he gets angry and he's about to pull his sword out, but then he gains control of himself. And then, uh, he does a Jedi move by leaping way up into the air out of the tunnel. <laughs> he's got hops. So. 
Uh, and then uh, he covers the manhole back up. And no, that's the Viper's job. That's Lift Viper. <laughs> oh, that's right. Lift Viper. Forgot about that. Yeah. Now, with that one, too, um, Grub, on that last panel, is the manhole cover the same color as the rest of the walls, or is it it's colored differently? It's purplish. Purplish? Okay, good. Yeah, because the wall, the background is purple in all the frames, except for when he jumps out. He jumps yeah. up, and when he starts to pull the sword, they're both gray, but everything else is purple. Okay. Um, then we go to the next page and we got like a little, uh, ridiculous radar station thing going on there. Like a weather dominator. Yeah. <laughs> and we got Destro. He sees security status intruder. Uh, and behind him, there's a chessboard. And we'll see that a little bit later. Uh, and, uh, he's reading, it says factors, altitude of intruder aircraft, high wind velocity, darkness. Lack of landing zones. Probability successful airborne insertion, 0.00018. So this is establishing again that Snake Eyes is a badass. Don't tell him the odds. Right, exactly. (laughs) So you're saying there's a chance. Right. Uh, We got Destro kind of thinking about that. uh, And we got Snake Eyes on the next page parachuting down. Uh, he lands on top of the snake head, on top of the castle, uh, releases his parachute, and then starts to rappel down, clutching onto the uh, fang of the cobra there, and uh, starts making his way down the cobra body. And we go back to Scarlet. She reaches in her hair, pulls out a bobby pin, and she starts using that to free herself of the cuffs. And... Uh, then we go to Snake Eyes. He's re- still repelling down, and then he swings down and takes out a Cobra Trooper. He's apparently got night vision goggles on. Yeah, yeah. Which I thought that was pretty cool. Like I like that little detail. And then uh, I thought this was—I love this page. Like this, you love the one other page, Anthony. I love this page with Jester yeah, looking uh, at. But the you know what? I love set. this page too, and you know why? Look at the chess pieces. That's what I'm saying. Like you have all these amazing. No, no, no. Characters here. There's a there's an interpretation of rock and roll. So therefore, oh, yeah. this, this book is now a winner in my in my in my head. Nice, nice. Um, this page also has some other corrections that were not uh, done in the original issue correctly. Uh, one is when you look at uh, Doctor Venom, uh, he was painted all uh, he was colored all blue in the original issue. So. Uh, his suit was blue and everything, so they they corrected that and made it a white coat there. Um, I love the fact that uh, the meaning behind this page, too, like all of the characters that are laying down have been uh, presumed dead. Is that basically. supposed to be uh, Scarface or whatever that Cobra guy's yeah. name Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Obviously Quinn, uh, yep. Dr. Venom, and then Baroness, and he picks Baroness up uh, because he... At this point, still, he thinks that she's dead. So, um, no, nope. we got no weasel skulls. No weasel skulls. Uh, we got Storm Shadow goes back to the the, the Lifter Viper went off duty, evidently. Uh, oh, it's, man- <laughs> it's his mandated OSHA. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> John, you know about that. You had to make sure you have yep. to make sure that these people get their breaks, right? No, listen, so. <laughs> the, on, my, on the 199th episode of HR Social Hour, 
the greatest question ever asked on that show was asked by we do ask us anything. And the last question we that was asked of me was, did Destro and Baroness have an inappropriate workplace relationship? To which I replied, it's a terrorist organization, and I don't think they follow anybody's rules. <laughs> but, good point. You know, you know, I don't think, yeah, OSHA be damned. I don't think Cobra Commander gives a rip about what OSHA's doing or, you know. Yeah. I don't think he's hired. Really that was that was my hands down, my, and I said it on the show then. Uh, that's Kyle, awesome. If, Kyle, if you're listening to this show, that's the greatest question anybody's ever asked me on the, on the podcast. <laughs> and it's relevant to your show, too, which is yes, perfect. Yes, it is. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's a workplace romance form that they had to fill out, kind of like in the office. There's probably an, uh, a, a, a Toby Viper that came around and handed them the paperwork that they had to fill out. It's okay. I'm well, curious. It, it, Lady Jane Flynn had the same issue, right? That's true. Yeah. And God I'm only knows if, what Cover Girl was up to. I mean, you know. <laughs> I'm curious what the uh, if the Cobra Troopers have a union or something. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, I mean, Shipwreck does talk does talk about a. Uh, Cobra's uh, medical program. So that is true. That is very true. So, so yeah. So the uh, the Union uh, Lifter Viper. He he was on his break. So Storm Shadow lifts up the manhole cover himself, single handedly, like a ninja should. Yes, and uh, he gets, <laughs> but then he gets taken out by Scarlet, who wraps the chain that she was shackled with around his head, and then throws him down. Yeah, say look, Grub, and the way way she's hanging, man. Yeah, she's hanging yeah. one-handed. Yeah, or badass. My guess is she's probably got her foot. Um, it caught him and stuck yeah, in on stuck another one with yeah. those boots, oh. no less. Yeah, yeah. and look, you like got a cobra signal. Or a yeah, signal. and she's Storm. using the nice uh, leverage and everything else to pull him down in. So Storm Shadow gets the cobra logo. Yeah, he's got a sigil. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's on the chest piece too. Yep. Uh, so he. Uh, she throws him down. She's about to climb out, and somehow, miraculously, he gets back up and grabs her by the boot. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but the way he was thrown down, I don't think he's getting back up very quick. <laughs> Remember, it's ninja man. I know, I know. Well, we don't know how, how long it takes her to get up from That's that true. last long to get in there. I mean, she yeah. looked like she was struggling a bit, yeah, getting out. So, um, and I think in that panel too, where she's like pulling herself up, that's where you can even see a bit more of, like, if you really look closely, you can see, you know, the, the her one eye is kind of closed and bruised and stuff, so. Um, so she puts the manhole cover. She's able to lift it up, too, and she's able to put it down on uh, Storm Shadow's arm there to get probably, away. That lift viper must be an entry-level position. <laughs> must be. <laughs> um, and we got, then we go to the next page, which is uh, Snake Eyes has uh, the the trooper that he took down, but he's got two more coming at him. And, uh, he pulls out a knife, throws it at one of them and, uh, quickly like karate chops the other one. I'm assuming from what I, from what you could tell and, uh, takes them both out. And then he, uh, actually, one I of, think, I think the one he karate chops is the one he throws over the, over the port, over the, uh, the ramparts here. Oh yeah. Could be. Cause the dude's cause, got no helmet on. Yeah, that's true. Good, good eye on that. Um, and then he turns to go grab his Uzi and, uh, that trooper grabs him by the throat and he flips him over and he loses his Uzi in the process. He went to be Destro. That's where they changed it. You, know, you have to now change the sign to zero days without injury. Right. <laughs> that's what actually what he was filling out on the yellow screen there. That's right. <laughs> Uh, so Destro sees this and he's like, 
Okay, let's head upstairs. He gets some troops together and uh, starts heading up there. And we see uh, Cobra Trooper, who's laying on the ground, points that he went that way. And they all go following, chasing after him. And uh, that trooper takes off his helmet. And we find out that it was actually Snake Eyes. And he just, he had the naked guy hanging over the edge. <laughs> how, yeah, how many flights of steps did those guys have to go up to give Snake Eyes that much time to uh, get changed? Probably a significant. I'm more con- wondering why he didn't just throw the dude over the edge to let him die when he, he literally just threw another guy over and stabbed another one. Right. Like, why did you tie him up and dangle him? Who knows? He didn't want to throw another body over the edge where someone might see it out the window and know that there was a naked man. <laughs> so, so he could still use his uniform. Say he was going to give the guy some dignity. He would give him his clothes back and then throw him over. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Here you go. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> so, uh, so then we see the empty manhole cover. The lift Viper has is sad. It's just been left open there for him. Uh, then we have Storm Shadow come, uh, obviously showing that Storm Shadow got out. And that he uh, then walks into a room where there is some red ninjas hanging from the ceiling, like bats. And uh, he does a little ninja symbol, and they do it back, and they come jumping down. And one's got a sword, one's uh, got two sides, and one's got a sickle with a ball and chain mace type thing. So uh, Then we go to the next page where we see... Uh, Scarlet is watching as two Cobra Troopers are carrying the claw that uh, Storm Shadow had been using earlier. That seems like a crappy job, too. Like, here, move move this into the hangar room. <laughs> hey, hey, Ryan, because I can't remember. Is this the introduction of the claw in the comic as well? Or does yes. See that early? Okay. yes. Yes. Yep. Yep. And uh, she s- sneaks up behind them, swings the chain around, wraps them both around the throat, and then clunks their heads together, knocking them out. And then she takes the claw and takes off with it. Uh, Snake Eyes finds the pit where Scarlet was. He notices that there's nobody in there. And uh, Red Ninja drops down and tries to stab him from behind, but he ducks quickly, and the Red Ninja goes flying, and he picks up that manhole cover like nobody's business and clocks the guy out. Uh, that is the then, most uncomfortable-looking pose, the way the <laughs> He's yeah. like, it's it's almost like he's trying to walk like a crab while holding it. <laughs> well, he's lifting with his legs. That's what he's doing. <laughs> um, but then he comes smashing down. Like, again, going back to what you were saying earlier, like, he has no problem killing this guy with a manhole cover. <laughs> um, so then he, uh, we, we see the guys taken out with the manhole cover uh, laying on top of him. He's going up the stairs, and I do like that one panel where you see the the red the ninja in his visor. Yeah, yeah that's, really, that's cool. really cool. Yeah. Uh, so there's the guy with the size, and I thought this when I saw this, but they confirm it in this book. This was totally an homage to Indiana Jones. It, Jones. <laughs> <laughs> it, makes, it, ha- it makes it had. I, I was when I was reading this earlier. I'm like, that's got to be Indiana Jones. Uh, oh yeah. And they, like I said, in the back matter in, information, they totally say that, like that it was an homage to that, which was also they point out was was also an homage to uh, 
a trope that was used in movies before that too. So, um, so it's it's not like Raiders was the first thing to do it. It's just probably the most one of the most memorable ones to ever have done a scene like that. So, um, but yeah, he throws a grenade at him, and uh, <laughs> just the look in the eyes of the Red Ninja when he sees the grenade. I love that on the last panel of the oh, page. <laughs> yep. I, I like the fact that he's apparently, yeah, once he sees it, that's it, man. He's obliterated. What the? Oh, yeah. I didn't know frag grenades did that. <laughs> I didn't either. Well, <laughs> but his, maybe his size right survived. I mean, this isn't the Captain America movie where the, you know, the Hydra agents <laughs> shot lasers and just people evaporated for crying out loud. <laughs> right. Um, well, maybe you and, just don't see the blood, you know, the, the teeth yeah. and the hair. The car- I said there's no, car- there's no carcass or nothing. <laughs> nothing, no, just vaporized. There's little bits, when if you look in the white, there's just like a little bits of dust left, and that's it. Um, but somehow the size survive. Those go flying <laughs> off. And if it did that kind of damage, and Snake Eyes was relatively that close to throw it at him, you'd think he'd limp a little bit or something. <laughs> Uh, we just see smoldering ash as Snake Eyes goes walking past it. Uh, and that thing did some damage, too, <laughs> besides taking the guy out. Uh, he comes up the next doorway, and there's a Red Ninja and Storm Shadow on either side of the door. Uh, he catches that mace ball in the air, which had to hurt. Yeah, I was thinking the same yeah. thing. I had, that can't be comfortable. No. Uh, he wraps it around the Red Ninja's head to pull him over. Uh, just in time for Storm Shadow to slice him up for him. Uh, then he leaps over Storm Shadow and kicks him in the face, knocking the sword out of his hand, and Storm Shadow is getting back up as Snake Eyes goes running. Uh, Scarlet comes swooping down. Well, wait, it's important to take note that when he's stomping him on the face to show that he's gotten damage to his uniform now, Snake Eyes. Yes, very good point, yeah. yes. Absolutely, Little things. Yeah. Like I said, you go back and you look it over and you're like, oh, oh, I get that now. Like, cause you didn't see where it happened before, but. Right. No, that's an excellent point. Yeah. There, on that middle panel, he's got, uh, his sleeve is, has been cut. So, um, we see, uh, Scarlet swooping in with the claw and as Snake Eyes is running out, which looks like a scene from Load Runner, the video game, if you ever played that. Ah! I've never thought about that game in 40 years. <laughs> I used to play it all the time. Um, then Scarlet goes swooping by. She notices uh, Snake Eyes there, and she's uh, Storm Shadow comes out the door. Uh, he's ready to uh, exact his, his revenge on Snake Eyes, getting the better of him. Uh, Scarlet is shocked. She comes swooping down. And Storm Shadow has a sword. He's about ready to throw it at Snake Eyes. She comes landing down and uh, right in front of Snake Eyes. She's going to take the hit. Uh, but then we see like this shocked look on on uh, Storm Shadow's face as Snake Eyes wraps his hands around Scarlet and stops the sword by clutching it by the blade. And then he flips it over behind him. And Scarlet looks amazed. <laughs> Got the sword, man. Yeah. Uh, then she goes taken off with Scarlet on the back. Uh, he's got his arm wrapped around her throat, which is really a smart move when someone's <laughs> flying. <laughs> uh, we see the Arashikagi symbol there, which at, again, at this time, we didn't know what that even was. Uh, and we see Storm Shadow with his arm unwrapped a bit on his right and the same symbol there. And 
that it just ends there. And we know there's some connection between these two characters because they both have the symbol that we don't know what it is uh, or why it's there, but it does show some type of connection between the two of them. They had to know who each other were in that combat. Possibly. I would, yeah, because you might be able to pick up on fighting styles or something like that. Um, and that might be why he's looking up at him like that. Maybe that's, maybe the snake, maybe snake eyes catching the sword like that and be able to do that move is what made Storm Shadow recognize him because he does look up very like, yeah, he's got a fist going like he's angry, but he's, he's also kind of looking up a little like pensively, like trying to understand what just happened and who that was. So. It, that's the cool thing with, with having it just be the art and there not being any words is that you can interpret different things. So, um, but that is, that is the issue. So. Um, now a couple things with it, uh, that I, one, one thing too, reading this and, and maybe this is because, and I mean no ill reverence towards the issue, but, I know the story behind it. I know why it ended up being a silent issue. But really, when you read it, you're like, "This." there's certain scenes that wouldn't be silent. <laughs> like Destro calling on his troops and everything else. That wouldn't be a silent scene. Or Cobra Commander being presented Scarlet and stuff like that. Cobra Commander never shuts up. He definitely would have something to say there. Um, but it is a very cool issue. I love the fact that you can tell that the story can be told without any words being there. Um, that's not an easy thing to do. Um, so just masterfully done. And it opened up so many curiosities as to like, what does all this mean? What is going on and everything like that. Um, now one thing I, I did want to mention, and I'm kind of sad that it wasn't put in here. This is one of the things that I wish, well, two things I wish they had put in this, in this issue. One is I wish they had put the Jeremy Dale, uh, 21B issue in here. I don't know why they didn't do that. It seems like the perfect companion piece to go in here with this. I don't mind the G.I. Joe Origins issue that they put in the back of it, uh, which was also a silent issue. Uh, but I think the Jeremy Dale one would have been a better fit or just, add it, like have that be another one that was in here. Um, the other thing that they mentioned in the backup material was that there was a short story called Silent Prelude uh, that talked about uh, the things that led up to Scarlet being captured. And it was a brief, like, five pages and it was only ever produced in Devil's Due Snake Eyes Declassified Collected Edition Hardcover in April of 2006. That's the only place that that story showed up. So this would have been a perfect place to have that reprinted. And Because didn't I, didn't re- I didn't read through it um, just because I was short on time. Wasn't it like a airborne recertification something yes. or other? And yeah. 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 So, yeah, and they talk about in there that Scarlet already had the Band-Aid on her face at that point, so she did not have the Band-Aid uh, from any type of injury from Storm Shadow, nor did Storm Shadow put the Band-Aid on her. <laughs> she already had it on there, so we still don't know why she had a Band-Aid on her face. Um, but it also does talk about uh, the struggle of Storm Shadow capturing Scarlet, 
and that he ends up knocking her out to basically because of the struggle that's happening, he ends up knocking her out by punching her in the face, and that's why she has a bruised eye. Um, and it also talks about how because they do they do a panel breakdown or not a panel breakdown, but a page breakdown as far as what happened on each page. And it also show, talks about how he got the tarp and and the rope and everything like that. So, um, but yeah, I just I felt like that was a missed opportunity. Like I appreciate that I could read about what happened, but if it was just a little five page thing that was only printed one time ever and it was in a hardcover collective edition, why not put it in here? So the um, the the complete collection does have the twenty one B. Yes, exactly. It's it's right after yeah twenty one. And I love that they did that. That that one even boggles my mind even more because that came out before this. I think that came out before this hardcover came out. And I was like, well, you obviously had the rights to that issue. So why wasn't that one put in here? So like I said, I love this hardcover. I think it's amazing. There's awesome information in it. And like, John, like you were mentioning, the the uh, scanned images of the, the breakdowns and everything else are incredible to see. That That's worth the money by itself. I was just surprised that they didn't put the 21B in there, especially since they put it in the hardcover. And I'm, I'm surprised they didn't put that five page story in here because they did have the rights to the Devil's Due stuff. Um, because they did do, IDW did do, uh, collected editions of the Devil's Due stuff. So I don't think it was a rights issue. Um, you know, I don't, the, I don't, I don't know why. Yeah. Talking about 21B, you know, that's the first original page I ever bought was a page from Jeremy of that book. That's awesome. Yeah, That's and I got fantastic. it for an incredible steal, and it's very special because it's got Scarlet in the claw, and it's yeah, I That's really awesome. was really fortunate when I picked that up. And that that book was only done in pencil, really tight pencils. It's not oh, inked, wow. so yeah, yeah, I love it. And that I actually did reread. Uh, well, again, quote unquote read. I did reread that one tonight um, to refresh my memory on that, and that's so cool. That one's. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of that one. It's called Silent Something Else. Um, uh, I have it here. Hold on one second. Um, Silence Between Borders. So that, and that was, again, kind of a double meaning because, of course, when you cross a border, um, you know, there's whole, issues with that and everything else but and obviously there's a big battle that goes on but then obviously this the, that story the panels take place in between issue 21 panels so like if you are very well versed in issue 21 or you have it sitting there it's good to have 21b sitting there too and kind of see the stuff that happens in between it's i love that issue um especially now being able to match it up with issue 21 so um, and for people that don't know, that came in a, a action figure pack. Uh, so they, G.I. Joe did, if you weren't aware, G.I. Joe did for their 25th anniversary, um, two, uh, action figure two packs, which had a comic book in it and had two action figures. And some of the action, some of the comics were reprints and some of them were brand new stories. And this was one of those that was a brand new story of sorts. Um, and the artist, the art, was done by uh, the late, great Jeremy Dale. And uh, the action figures that came with it, and it was titled 21B. Sometimes people call it 21 and a half now. Uh, I think 21B works better because it, it is in between. It doesn't take place after 21. It takes place at the same time as 21. Um, 
and it came with a snake eyes that had a uh, had his sleeve torn from the damage, and it had uh, Storm Shadow who came with his red cape that is in that issue. So um, now, as far as some other reprints, GI Joe also with those two packs, GI Joe number twenty one was reprinted with a two pack comic pack, uh, which came with Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow. And then there was a comic three pack that had a reprint, which had Snake Eyes, Storm Shadow, and a Red Ninja. So those are some of the more notable reprints. Uh, the last reprint I wanted to mention, though, was one that just came out last year in July, so July of 2020, and it was called uh, Complete Silence, and it had issue 21 reprinted and had 21B reprinted together. So that's a really cool one. Um, and that's, and, is that a hardcover or was that? No, just, it's just, oh, a, it's just, just a, a floppy. Just a floppy. Okay. Yep. It was just a floppy and it had a brand new cover done for it by Jamie Sullivan. Ah, uh, so, cool. so yeah, it, it's a very cool issue. Um, and, uh, do not be confused with, uh, the, the reprint that came out, uh, I think a year before that, there was one that was called Snake Eyes the Origin, which is issues, that's a reprint of issues 26 and 27. So, um, but yeah, there's one that's called, uh, Complete Silence that has those two issues in there. So, um, there's been other silent issues. Also, uh, Image, when they had it, they did a silent issue for issue 21. And then in this hardcover, there was a, G.I. Joe Origins issue number 19 that was a silent issue which basically introduced Timber of, in, a, in a sense because um, there's a wolf in this that plays a factor in the story. Um, I've always found it odd that they did it for G.I. Joe Origins number 19 and didn't wait two more issues and do it for 21. Yeah, would it have killed them? I know. <laughs> I like, they may have thought they were canceling the book by then. Who knows with those guys? That, that could be. That could be. So... Um, but yeah, it's still a cool story in here. The artwork's really good. Um, so it's, again, I feel like this, uh, uh, this hardcover is well worth the, the 20 bucks that it was. Uh, so highly recommend picking it up. Uh, there's a lot of material in there. There's the breakdowns are in there. There's issue 21 in there. And then you also have, uh, G.I. Joe Origins number 19 in there. So. So that is all the information I had when it came to 21. Was there anything anyone else wanted to talk about when it comes to this issue? I, mean, I feel like we pretty much covered it all. Oh, look, it, it's iconic. Uh, it is well respected and discussed, and I think it's been the topic of dissertations. I mean, this is a, a landmark that I think at the time, they were just buying schedule and what's the fastest way we get something done. Knowing full well, you could tell a story without words. It's just, yeah. a real, it's funny how it was a vic- They were victims of necessity yet out came this thing that, that, that has happened. There are a lot of, I think there are several anyway, videos of Mr. Hama talking about this book on YouTube. Uh, if you've ever met him or if you've spent any time with him or listened to him, he always talks about the fact when he writes a script, he doesn't know what's going to happen. He's literally writing page to page. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes maybe not so much. He didn't. He, have lets, the, he lets the characters when, take them where they but want when, to go. Yeah, but he put those he put those tattoos on those guys, not really knowing what the hell he was going to do next. 
Yeah. Um, wow. Here we are almost 40 years later talking about, talking about this book and, and and it's not just G.I. Joe fans. Yeah. It's from a comic and storytelling perspective. I think even Shannon, I think the first episode he ever interviewed with you guys, he talked about that box of comics he would carry with him for when he, when he moved. And I think he said 21 was one of the books that he had. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was, well, and they mentioned it in the hardcover, and I think they mentioned it in uh, in the volume two hardcover as well. Um, I, possibly, I know a lot of the information. I know there's that back story dossier thing that they put in the hard uh, the volume two hardcover. That is almost word for word. Some of it is what's in this hardcover, this anniversary hardcover, because I was going to read that too, thinking there might be more information, and I was like, wait, these are the exact same words. Um, so, but I know that they, they mention, I don't know if it was in the intro or in that back matter about how, when you talk to people and they, and you say like, what's some of the most influential comics out there, people will talk about the dark Knight returns and, uh, you know, the dark Knight, uh, uh, watchman bone, things like that. They don't ever mention GI Joe, but if you were to ask those same people, what, would you consider one of the most important single issue comics ever? Majority of them will point to issue 21. Does the significance of Snake Eyes exist without, like the importance of his, you know, existence in G.I. Joe exist without this cover or without this issue? Like, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't think so because this, to John's point, as far as the tattoos and everything else, like even though Hama didn't know what he was going to do with those, that set the stage well, for amazing stories had, afterwards. You think about, I mean, Snake Eyes had had his had storylines with Quinn. Of course, right. you know, you everybody knows that I'm a Commando Snake Eyes guy. I I can the ninja stuff's fine, but this took it in a whole different direction and certainly right. boosted him to being the iconic. I, you know, I don't care who you are. Everybody knows GI Joe. They're going to say Snake Eyes first. Sure, he's the Absolutely. only one with his own movie, right? Which I wasn't here to discuss that. Not great. Yeah. Not nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, it, it's worth ninety minutes just because the Baroness is your hot Euro trash. But um, <laughs> no, I, I think yeah, I think I don't think I don't think the Snake Eyes, the Ninja stuff, the Storm Shadow. If, if this didn't happen, yeah. It, and, and again. Not knowing where he was going to go next. Well, and if you think whole disaster that that occurred. Yeah. Well, and if you think about it, to your point as far as talking about the the storyline he had with Quinn, like that was over. Like that that storyline was complete. So Snake Eyes could have just disappeared into obscurity. Like if, if Hama decided to do that. Like okay, he had his storyline, he had his arc, um, and then he did this, and it was able to, to your point, it was able to take the character in a whole new direction and made Snake Eyes who Snake Eyes is. So, um, like, he was a cool character before this issue came out, but he became an iconic character after this issue came out. Um, and the, and the stories that followed it, obviously. So, um, yeah, I, I love this issue. I think it's fantastic. Uh, I'm glad, uh, that we finally reached it and were able to cover it. Um, the great thing is the GI Joe issues that follow it are not too shabby either. So, <laughs> so we'll have some fun talking about those in the future. Um, but yeah, I, I would say if you have never read this issue or seen this issue, um, you owe it to yourself to find it. There's plenty of reprint, reprinted material out there to find it. So, um, 
I don't think you can call yourself a Joe fan and ha- not have read this at some point in your life. Um, especially if you're as old as we are. So, <laughs> uh, other than that, uh, do you guys have anything else you wanted to mention or cover before we call it a wrap? No, I'm, uh, okay. I'm pretty happy we all got to get together and be able to finally talk to John in person or, Skype, <laughs> you know, this, this is kind of actual a, words. This is a text. bonus for me, you know, to be able to do that finally. Likewise, yeah. man. Likewise. I, it, yeah. Look, it's been entirely too long. It was great doing something else last year, but it ain't this. As I say, every time I'm here, this is where I started. Uh, this is home, and I'm I appreciate you adjusting to the old man's schedule. Uh, <laughs> but I'm always happy to come on and talk shit. And if people have questions, I will throw it out there. I know we're not in the segment yet at the end but no go ahead. if anybody's if anybody is legit looking for stuff and you and you need help as far as toy stuff goes i don't know a lot but if if you are are looking it's cost plus shipping i ship international kevin longman will tell you as long as you pay the freight i'm cool with filling out the forms i i really like doing this and it, it has taught me a lot i've gotten a lot in return that i would have never imagined uh some people have been have sent me some really nice thank yous that uh, I, I did, certainly was not expecting and, and certainly didn't earn. But, uh, yeah, man, like, it's just been super fun, and I'd like to do more of this. No, it's okay. I was going to say, number one, you did earn it. So regardless if you think you did or didn't earn it, you absolutely earn uh, anything nice that anyone did for you. Um, and so. hopefully you don't need to escape to the Los Angeles underground uh <laughs> All I could think of was, oh my God, you're doing the, the A team intro there. <laughs> um, I'm gonna find something that's gonna be a challenge for you for a toy hunt. I've just, uh, <laughs> I, I want this first thing that you you acquire for me to be one where you're sweating. Well, I tell you, you know, it's funny. So the Turtle King came about because I found everything last year that NECA put out until the Ultimate Foot Soldier. And I never saw one when it first when it first released, and now it's been re it's re released, and I finally found them. And that was the only thing that NECA put out at retail that I missed. Yeah, uh, I've been fairly. I haven't found the Alley Vipers in the in the batch yet. I find the Gung Hoes, which means that they're there. If somebody gets yep. them before me. I just want to say I found them. I that's way past my Joe time, but they're they look cool, and I'd like to say I found them. Yeah. Uh, you know. Look, I yeah, I, I love looking for the crazy. The crazier, the better. Particularly this die cast that's like one of 750 in the world. Like, how in the world am I finding this stuff? <laughs> right. You know, and I've got a friend. That's his thing. I I, I know a guy here in town. He may be listening. Uh, shout out to Cliff. Uh, Cliff has the coolest Hot Wheels collection I've ever seen. It was absolutely. I spent three hours just staring at his walls because it, it was absolutely insane. That's awesome. what he's got, but he, he loves these hard to find things and it, I can help him out. And yeah, so that's very, very cool. And yeah, we will definitely, uh, I, I think what we'll do is just, uh, keep the adjusted schedule, uh, time, time start, uh, so that we can absolutely have you on more often, uh, because I've missed talking with you. Uh, I've missed not, I, I know we text and everything else, but it's, it's not the same as doing this. So, um, all episodes so, yeah. will be recorded on, on Thurman standard time. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. 
you keep blaming Thurman, but I'm perfectly fine with this too. <laughs> right. I know. I know. I no. It's it's not we're already it's, an hour. Blame it on Thurman. Time. Everybody else does. They do it at work. I'm the HR guy. Everybody gets blamed for everything. That's cool. Right. Right. <laughs> so. All right. Uh, so, John, speaking of HR, where can people find uh, your other podcasts and all the things that you're doing? Oh, if you really want to find my other uh, podcast, I don't know why you would, uh, but hrsocialrpodcast.podbean.com. And for me, uh, Twitter is my favorite place to be, John underscore Thurmond. Um, and, and, hey, I also want to shout out the Facebook group. Uh, I really enjoy what has been going on there. Uh, yeah. There's not a bunch of jacked legs like there are in a lot of other places. And, uh, yeah, there's some really – I've met some pretty cool people that I don't know listen to the show or not, but have been able to help them out doing this stuff too that uh, that I met that saw me posting stuff on the group and said, hey, could you help me? And, you know, yeah. So yeah. shout out to the Facebook group. You'll see me there. I like to post what I'm finding. And what the? Uh, I really like to irritate Brent Anderson that way. So we're going to listen <laughs> Oh, I know he's listening. John Noby. John Noby. <laughs> uh, Anthony, how about you? Uh, you can find me, Anthony Houseiel, on Facebook, uh, The Toy Forge over on Instagram. Um, just trying to uh, make my way through the world of plastic. Uh, I'll be at ZoloCon the first weekend in March. I'll actually be set up uh, selling some of my wares at the Wolf King Custom Table, which would be hopefully adjacent to the Four Horsemen Studios table there. Uh, other than that, I've, you know, that's really all I got going on right now. Nice. Uh, that, that's a, that's enough. <laughs> that's a good amount. Where is ZoloCon? ZoloCon is in Warminster, Pennsylvania, okay. about 40 minutes outside of Philadelphia. Cool. It's actually set in a space centrifuge. Oh, wow. Whoa, that's, we're, that's pretty we're inside, cool. We're inside an abandoned like they still have the old school like 60s like you know buck rogers you know buttons and oh man that's that's, awesome i'll I'll be sure to take a bunch of pictures but if you look up it's called the fuge if you look it up on uh, online and you see some of the stuff it's it's really cool that this there's a set of wooden steps that get you up to the second floor and the the landing at the top of the steps is right next to where you would climb inside of the thing. Like it's still there, and wow. it's uh, oh, I'm, I'm looking at a photo of it right now. It's like, uh huh, that's cool. Shit. You can have your proms and your weddings there. Um, that's cool. The weird thing about that that particular um, uh, venue is it tends to be dark. So part of my things to bring when I go to a show is my messenger bag and a flashlight because sometimes it gets a little hard seeing some of the stuff um, mm. um but it's it's a blast it's a it's very 5.5 uh motu zolo world that kind of uh, realms of the underworld uh knockoff kind of figures it's 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 a lot of that stuff there you're a great man and i love it <laughs> that's cool i don't know that, it but it sounds cool <laughs> yeah very cool grab how can people find you uh, pretty much Facebook. Um, and even though I don't think this is going to come out probably in time, but, uh, Third Eye Comics in Annapolis in Maryland is having a, uh, signing on Saturday with John Morton, the guy who played Dak slash Bestman Boba, um, which I'll be going down for that to get an autograph from my niece or my, not my niece, my nephew. Um, but some of the 501st guys will be there unofficially. Um, so I'll be hanging out with them. So. Not that I think anybody in Maryland even listens to the show beyond me, but 
Let's happen. hope so. And I'm actually uh, I'm actually planning on because uh, I know some of the work I have to do tomorrow, uh, and I'm working from home. Uh, that I'm able to do some listening of the episode and do some editing while I'm doing my job. So I will I'm actually going to plan on working on this tomorrow and hopefully get it out tomorrow. So. Uh, it'll be a very quick turnaround time. Uh, so it'll be in time, hopefully, for, for that. So, uh, barring any tragedies or anything like that. So, um, for, for me, uh, one thing, uh, I wanted to put out there for people. I know I got pretty, uh, grouchy last episode and talked about a lot of stuff that I've, I've kind of harped on for a long time. Pretty <laughs> uh, grouchy, really? Reddit tur- Ryan is a I, joy to listen to. I I turned in I turned into old man Ryan, so yeah, you're um, than me. I know. Um, so the the one thing I didn't mention in there uh, that plays into what I'm about to say is uh, one other thing I've noticed that people uh, that that has changed that maybe has impacted the comic industry as well is that we have changed and we don't. Uh, we don't, I don't think we appreciate or just have the fun like we used to have when we were kids and saw these things. Like, I think if Snake Eyes came out today, he'd be a Mary Sue called character or whatever the male equivalent is. Um, but to us, Snake Eyes is awesome and Snake Eyes is a lot of fun. And yeah, he might know how to do way too much, but that's kind of the fun of the character. So my focus in the future is to get away from the rants and the complaints and to get back to having fun focusing on these things that we really enjoy. So, uh, that will hopefully be the last rant you hear from me for a very long time. Um, so, but yeah, I was, I was a grouchy man at the time. Uh, <laughs> what did I call uh, it? Like a spicy meatball or something like yes, that? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I want to get back to talking about issues like we did today and, and toys and everything else and just have fun again. So, um, with that being said, if you want to be, to join us in on the fun, uh, you can, uh, email us at starjoespodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail. It's 440-941-JOES, 440-941-J-O-E-S. Um, you can follow us on, in, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, just look up Star Joes. There is a Facebook group page, which is what John mentioned. And as soon as you request to become a part of that, we will approve you. And you can have fun. And like John said, we don't allow douchebags to be in there. So, uh, so it's a bunch of really cool people, uh, in there and we have a really good time. So, uh, join us there. And, uh, that's about everything. So with that, John, you're going to close with me if you remember how to do it. Uh, we're going to say the force will be with you because knowing us is half the battle. Take care, everyone. (laughs) 